Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. Let's look at Michigan Xfinity Series, episode 528. We're back. Michigan, typical intermediate track race. A little bit more racy than the Cup Series because the Xfinity cars have less downforce and more horsepower. And everyone knows, although the Xfinity drivers have less talent and are less professional, that might be a good thing at times. Take the drivers, put them aside. The equipment just creates much more dynamic racing. Has for, you know, 2018, not the case. 2017, not the case. 2016, not the case. Cup Series had better equipment. 2019, 2020, it got a little bit close to the shit. Cup Series has been much better, but still, the Xfinity car, just a much better ride, produces better racing more predictable racing. Uh, the racing tends to line up with the practices, the laps that you will look at in the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet that you can get at patreon.com slash DFS. Again, that's patreon.com slash DFS. You can find him on Twitter. Go to the Patreon. That's how you can get access to the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet that you're looking at. If you want to look at the lap-by-lap data, you want to see the specific fall-off on every single lap. Obviously, it's not here right now because we haven't had practice yet, but once practice happens, then you can see what is Allgaier's fall-off versus Gibbs's fall-off? What are their five best laps? Was their five-lap average, 10-lap average, 15-lap average? What about just their five best laps? Was that lap a Q-lap? Was it a mock run? You know, all those different things that you can look at. It's going to be in there. Again, that's patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. Xfinity Series, just the data is much more predictive. And that always makes it more fun to watch. I mean, it's just the way it is. Also, it's just it's a little bit more racier. Trust your eyes. Trust the spreadsheet, but trust your eyes. And when you watch an Xfinity race, you know it's just more racy. It's more active. They're making more moves. The drivers are in more control. The cars are less stable and more powerful. You can see it with your eyes. All right, let's get into it. Justin Allgaier is number one on my real ratings list. If you are not familiar with what real rating is, what I have done over the years, if you've used the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet, you know that I'm always adapting and changing and making, taking this in and taking that out and adjusting week by week, day by day, hour by hour. As I watch races, as more information comes in, I try to decide what will be the best way to synthesize information so that it is more predictive to help myself and you build better fantasy NASCAR lineups. It's always adjusting. It's not just a copy and paste formula, a copy and paste spreadsheet that I used five years ago and then just sold it again and again and again. Anyone who's been active in using the fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet knows that this thing's ever changing. It's not the same static spreadsheet. Although I understand that just pumping out the same boring spreadsheet over and over and over can be useful and that it's easier to read. And I guess it would be good for the noobs and the normies. And I could have just statically pumped out the same spreadsheet in 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 21, and just keeps doing what I was doing. I could, I could be doing what I, I could doing what I was doing in 2017. I decided I don't want to do that anymore. I could be doing what I did in 2018. Decided I don't want to work for that site anymore. I could be doing what I did in 2019 with weekly spreadsheet sales. So I don't want to do that anymore. I could do this one. I adapt, I grow, I change, because that's just who I am. I can't just keep doing the same monotonous thing over and over and over. I don't know about you. Maybe you can. I want more. I want things to be better. And hopefully you've seen that in my videos. Hopefully you've seen that in the spreadsheet. And one of the things that I really like is real rating. And that's not a finished product. I'm going to keep working on it. But what it does is driver rating is on the right course, but I think NASCAR just 
does the wrong thing with driver rating. We know that finishing position is flawed. We know that average running position is flawed. We need something more specific. And the closest that I've gotten so far is real rating. And that's just simply by calculating the percentage of laps inside the top five, inside the top 10, inside the top 15, and other stuff that I'm not going to tell you how it works. But by taking that and giving you a, a more comprehensive look at what a driver did in the race and then comparing out to others. Like, for example, Justin Allgaier, a perfect score is a 100. He had a 95 based on the formula. And it's a simple 0 to 100 scale to tell you how good was a driver in that race as opposed to the finishing position, which can be misleading. Average running position, which can be skewed. Driver rating, which goes from 0 to 150 that no one really can understand or interpret. It's much easier to go 0 to 100 and be pretty frank that top 5, top 10, top 15 laps are weighing heavily. But also we're weighing in top 30 laps, top 35 top 25 laps so that we're also getting some useful data points for these guys in the back as well. That's re real rating. And that's a good way to measure, is this guy going in the right direction? Is he going in the wrong direction? And if we rank them based on all the races, now we are calculating some road courses and we are calculating some plate races. And later on in the week, if you have access to the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet at patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS, then you will see my calculation where I decide, you know what, let's factor Pocono. Let's look at Atlanta. No, let's not look at Atlanta. Let's look at Pocono. I suppose we can use New Hampshire. Some people might disagree. Don't use New Hampshire. I'm going to use New Hampshire right now. We'll see later in the week what I decide to do. I want to use Nashville. I want to use Charlotte. I want to use Texas. I'll go ahead and throw Darlington over in. Maybe that will be the things that I calculate, and then I'll find what is their average real rating over that. It gives me kind of a current form. It also gives me an overall intermediate track bias that I want to help make picks for Michigan, and it'll take out some of these outlier races that might skew the day. But for now, we're just looking at their overall real rating. And if we look at number one, it is Justin Allgaier. And if you've been watching the races, you know that Justin Allgaier has been absolutely a monster since about Talladega. And we can look at just his finishing results here, and you'll see that after Talladega, he wins at Darlington, he wins at Nashville. He had a race-winning car at Dover, but on that last run, Josh Berry was just faster. And Josh Berry's probably uh, the guy that could probably take him out of the championship this season. New Hampshire, he's got to win. Uh, I don't really care about that one. So there you go. We know that Justin Algar looking pretty good. What more do you want me to say? Um, well, I guess the next thing you want to say, we'll, we'll, we'll look at specific Michigan laps next. AJ Allmendinger has also been really good. His numbers are very strong. But again, if you're not just looking at the spreadsheet and you are watching the races and you're listening to the driver interviews and you're reading the articles, you'll hear the same theme or the same line repeated that AJ Allmendinger and the college racing cars don't have the speed. And if you've been watching the Xfinity series over the last two years, you know, they don't have the speed. They have good cars. They have top 10 cars, no question. Sometimes they have top five cars often, but podium, mm -mm. leading laps, mm -mm. fast laps. Mm -mm. And AJ Allmendinger says that every week. Yeah, we're, we're going to get the points. We're going to probably win the season, but what good is that when we go to the playoffs and we don't have the speed to beat these guys head to head? We can score points and we can work our way forward but we can't beat them head to head. We can't win races at the more specific classic ovals. And we can verify that by just looking at the hog points from the season. And hog points are fast laps and laps led points. 
And you'll see that, uh, where is AJ Allmendinger? There's Allgaier at the top. 35 hog points. Again, that's fast laps and laps lead points. I call them hog points. Some nobodies say dominators. But uh, like, oh yeah, Justin Allgaier dominated the race. He had 35 dominator points. What did he finish? Second. Where was he in stage three? You're going to tell me he was the dominator when clearly Josh Berry was in control of that race? Oh, wow. Cool. You scored 35 dominator points at the beginning of the race. You, like domination is the whole thing. If you are a dominant football team, let's think of like when the Patriots or uh, the Rams or any NFL team dominates the other team. It's from whistle to whistle. That is what domination means. It means from the tip off to the final buzzer, from the face off to the final buzzer, from the first pitch to the final out. That is domination from beginning to end. And yes, there is domination in NASCAR. Wire to wire, off the top of my head, 2017, Coca-Cola 600. Martin Truex leads something like 382 of the 400 laps. That's domination. Wire to wire, Cincinnati Reds, 1990, only World Series champion team to ever go wire to wire. First place on day one and first place on the final day of the season and win the World Series. That is domination. Dominate to dominate to be in complete control, to win. So, oh, he scored a dominator point. Did he win? No. Well, then how is he a dominator? How, how can there be more than one dominator? Have you ever thought, oh, he's a, they were dominators in that race. You can't have two dominators. Only one can control. Only one can dominate. This is why I don't do the podcast anymore. But it's just lazy, careless use. Not very thoughtful. And if someone's not going to be thoughtful about the words they use to describe, to communicate how to play fantasy NASCAR or any fantasy sport, if they're going to be very frivolous in that, then what else are they being frivolous in? What else are they being careless in? What else are they not paying any regard to? That's it. That's the only time. That's the only occasion when they decide, I'm just going to be lazy here. I'm never going to be lazy anywhere else. Nowhere else. I will never cut another corner. But this one time, I'm going to cut a corner. Also, they're probably not a maniac. So I could be completely wrong with all this. I could just be a maniac. (laughs) Probably just me being a maniac, and uh, it's a bad take. But hey, (laughs) I amuse myself. Anyway. The bigger point is, where's A.J. Allmendinger? I mean, he's got some points. That's not bad. That was early in the season, though. Uh, Naturally, he did get 16 hog points. I wonder if he got in the optimal lineup there. Probably 16. Those don't really matter much to me right there. I believe he had the pole at Nashville, though, as well, didn't he? By the way, if we look at the season average, 11. It's not very good. Or 6, not very good. Allgaier, much higher and if we're spending money if we're looking at these elite drivers yeah we need to win we don't need to win though all guy doesn't need to win but what we need as dfs players this weekend at michigan and every weekend when we're identifying the drivers at the top sure win is great but we don't have to have that but what we must absolutely must have are fast laps and laps led hog points aj almondinger although he has an incredible real rating And that really is because he's running a lot of laps in the top five. He's running a lot of laps in the top 10. He's not wrecking out. He's not DNFing. He's staying up there. He's having great races. He's having good real life races. I mean, it's like Justin Haley. Justin Haley, we can never play Justin Haley in those colored cars. But Justin Haley was always in the top 10. He was always having pretty good real races in that colored car. Well, Almendinger's doing that as well, but doing it to a higher level, to a higher degree. But he is also still 
not fantasy relevant. He's even more irrelevant because of his price tag, at least sometimes with Justin Haley, he was affordable at a top 10. Almendinger, we don't have prices yet, will be around $10,000. He will run in the top five, but is he going to shave off fast laps? Not if he's not on the pole. Is he going to lead laps? Maybe not even if he's on the pole. So you can't roster him. And as I say, that watch him have a wonderful race. But where we stand today, I'm not saying anything new here. Gregson, coming back to life. Pocono showed signs at New Hampshire. That was kind of a weird race. There's a bunch of wrecks in that. But again, you have to give credit to him. He didn't wreck out. While other drivers had issues like Josh Berry, who's had quite a few mistakes or issues or wrecks recently. Oh, well, you know, you can't just say because he wrecked, he's going to wreck. But hey, one driver's going in one direction, one's going in the other. Confidence is going one way, confidence is going in the other way. However you want to look at it, you have to say that it's not going really great for Barry at the moment. Is Barry a better driver than Gregson? Might be. Does Barry have better equipment than Gregson? He might. He might not. Gregson's got more experience in Michigan. Gregson's heading in the right direction. Maybe you give a nudge to Gregson. Gregson was the guy at the beginning of the season. Gregson kind of cooled off a little bit. But again, during this middle part of the season, we saw a lot of road courses and plate races. You really need to cipher it out. And the best way to pick and choose is to look at these specific races and say, all right, well, kind of the races that I like where there's skill and there's setup and it's not as random. Gregson had pretty good races. I don't want to overrate this 92 because, again, we can go back. Another way, again, to look at it is say, well, what about hog point wise? Did you know Gregson got a 92, but he only got what one hog point in that race. So, yes, he was in the top five. But he also got there because of a lot of really good cars had issues. So did he accrue a lot of you know laps inside the top 10? Yes. Did he get a bunch of laps inside the top five? Yes. But at any point during that New Hampshire race, did anyone think that he was going to challenge Justin Allgaier? And the answer is no. Or Ty Gibbs when he's out front, and the answer is no. But again, that's New Hampshire. I'm not really completely worried about that. But at Pocono, Gregson looked like he was in complete control. I won't say dominate, but... He was uh, very strong in that race. Ty Gibbs has been really good at the road courses. He's got a plate race win. He was really good at Richmond. He has been, uh, he got the win at Las Vegas, but that should have been Gregson's win. Look, Gregson had a perfect score, but Gibbs got the win. He's just not, a, look, talent-wise, he might be as good as everybody. But uh, the, the JRM cars are just faster than the JGR cars. If Ty Gibbs was a rookie last year, Ty Gibbs probably won the championship. Truth. If Ty Gibbs had declared last year to be a rookie, think about the competition he would have faced last season. And, and they say, oh, well, maybe practice. doesn't matter. I mean, we saw how many races he won last season just jumping into cold cars with no experience whatsoever. He would have won the championship. He hasn't depreciated. His car hasn't depreciated. He's not uh, taking a step back. It's just that JRM figured something out. And maybe it was practice. It could be that this team just needed practice. They needed the data collection. Maybe they figured something out between their drivers, some sort of synergy, some synergistic uh, simpatico relationship between Allgaier, Barry, Gregson, and Mayer, and their crew chiefs, and the data that they're collecting, and the setups that they're building. Whatever, it's working. Here's a surprise maybe to some of you. 
Austin Hill, he is going to run double duty this weekend. Now, well, that's not the surprise, but look, he's the sixth best driver. Austin Hill is having a wonderful season. Uh, yeah, the plate races are bumping him up some, but Austin Hill is running in the top 10. He's running laps inside the top five. He's going to run the Michigan Cup race. That might hurt him. That might be too much for the young driver. I don't know. You know, We always look at the Cup drivers. If they get extra reps, it's good. Or if the Xfinity driver gets extra reps in the Truck Series or ARC, we say it's good. But sometimes I worry that an Xfinity driver with extra reps in the Cup Series, and we could say this for Ty Gibbs, maybe that's going to hurt them. Maybe that's too much. Maybe that's too much data for the young driver to process jumping between these two cars. The cars are much more similar now. In previous seasons, 2019 through 2021, definitely was maybe not the best thing because of the packages. They, the off-throttle times were just different. The braking points were completely different. You and you saw a lot of Cup Series drivers say, well, I'm not going to do Xfinity Series anymore. It's not going to help me. A couple did and said it would work, but I think a lot of them were lying just because they had to do it because of sponsorship bullshit they had to pull up with. But... Either way, he's running both races. He did win the Michigan truck race in 2019. So he has one at this track. And I will say it over and over and over again. Austin Hill, most underrated driver in NASCAR right now. Maybe one of the most underrated ever. It's hard to say. You can't say it because his career hasn't played out yet. But I mean, you just look at the small sample size that we have and the credit that he receives. The guy's won everywhere. The guy's done everything he needs to do. Why does he not get any credit? What box has he not checked? Here he is again, rookie season in the Xfinity series. Impressive. The RCR cars are faster than we are giving them credit for. But in comparison, they're not as fast as the JGR cars. They're not as fast as JRM cars. Again, if this was last season and Austin Dillon was in this RCR car, as opposed to, he got it last year, Matt Snyder or whatever, he would be a championship threat. He'd be a championship contender. The issue is not that RCR is not moving in the right direction. They are. The issue is not that Austin Dill, Austin Hill, Austin Dillon doesn't have talent. Austin Hill doesn't have talent. No, that's not it. It's just that it's a race and JRM is just winning. RCR's doing great. JRM's doing better. Austin Hill is looking good. Justin Allgaard is looking sexy. John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, you can go through the data or you can just take my word for it. He's been really good in the Sam Hunt car. I don't think I have 100% information. I mean, you look. You look and check which ones are same hunt cars. I can't remember. Darlington might have actually been. Richmond absolutely was a same hunt guy. That's where he got in that battle with Ty Gibbs at the end. No, he might have been in the 18. I don't know. Take my word for it. He's been fast. He's produced good results. Yeah, no, Richmond, he was in the 18. But the year before that, at Richmond, he had a top five car in the 26 Sam Hunt racing car. I can't go through all these in my head, but take my word for it. John Hunter Nemechek has been very strong in the 26 car. I don't have documentation to prove it. I've got a list of names that have, there are 25 communist spies in the interior secretary's office. The uh, I don't have documentation to prove that same racing car is set up by TRD, but I believe I read that somewhere and the results seem to back it up, that this is not prepared solely by Sam Hunt Racing, that TRD or maybe even Kyle Busch or JGR, some of those engineers or crew chiefs have their hands involved in working on setting that car up. No problem rostering him. He has looked good this season. Um, all these races are strong. Van Jones, 
And I said this in my DK Nation article. You can always check out my DK Nation article free every week. Xfinity Series, Cup Series, F1. NASCAR, best bets. Been doing it for 7 million years. The thought, and I think this would probably be the popular sentiment for Brandon Jones, this is not a driver's track. This is a flat-out wide-open track. A little less wide-open in the Xfinity Series. Still, it's not a challenging intermediate track. It's not challenging to set up for. It's not challenging to drive. It's more of a machine. So if you have a really good equipment, you have a really good advantage, hey, guess what? That's better for Jones. Tracks that favor machine over man are Jones-type tracks. And I don't expect him to get out front and lead a bunch of laps, but I would not be surprised to see him qualify up front. We saw Pocono and have a very fast car. Now that one is a little bit more man, and that's why he didn't win that race. But don't be surprised. I mean, he absolutely should be starting up towards the front. He's going to have a shot all race long. You get a uh, caution at the end, fast pit crew, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him sneak away with a win or lead a bunch of laps at the end of this race. He definitely needs to be on play. Sam Mayer. Having a great year. The JRM cars are fast. It's really exceptional what he's doing. I mean, these are really a lot of different racetracks. Fontana is something. Las Vegas, oh, it's kind of a normal track, but then you got to go to Phoenix, and then you're going to a plate race, then you're going to a road course, then you're going to a short flat track, and then an even more challenging short flat track, which he should have won at, gotten the battle of Ty Gibbs. Then we're going back to a plate race. Now we're going to a high-speed, small intermediate then we're going to go to an intermediate with a groove up next to the wall with a very worn out surface in Darlington that's just asking you to hit the wall. Then we're going to go to Texas, which is kind of another one of the boring racetracks. But if you get out of the groove up into the hot resin, you're going to die. Then we go to Charlotte, probably one of the most normal races of the year, and he's pretty awesome. Nashville, um, a concrete, very wide now racetrack. Uh, we go back to a road course and then a plate race. Then we go to this short paper clip flat track. Then we go to Pocono. Then we go back to the road course. So for him to have very solid numbers after what was a tumultuous 2021 season, you have to be very excited about that. It depends on his price. But end of the day, we're talking about DFS. And in this price range, in this tier, we are really talking about who can lead laps and run fast laps. And will Mayer do that better than Algar? No. Can he possibly do it more than Almendinger? I'd say they're pretty equal just because Almendinger is not letting laps. He's not running any fast laps. And Mayer is going to come at probably a significant discount, maybe $1,000. He's not going to beat Gregson. He's not going to beat Gibbs. He's not going to beat Barry. Uh, yeah, is he flaws into this territory? Yeah, I could see Jones is going to probably have. Jones Mayer is interesting. So that's those are guys that I expect. I don't think Hill's going to lead laps. But I'm not going to completely eliminate him because he's been so strong at this track in the past. And it's not that challenging of a track. If you've got a fast car and you've got track position, not going to come. He's really right there on the edge. Name check. I want to see that car in practice. Just so I know, did they really get the set correctly? Did you read Henrik's tweet? He called himself garbage. He called himself garbage. Garbage day. Yeah, I'm not going to roster a guy who calls himself garbage. I have a little bit more confidence in that. Imagine. Wins championship. I'm garbage. Maybe you don't send that tweet. Okay. I mean, maybe your sponsor doesn't want you to send that tweet. I can't think Matt Collig's like, it's okay to have 
think it. We don't really need that out there right now. Unless, of course, this is some sort of 4D chess by Zoomers slash millennials trying to, you know, play a sympathy card, uh, being the victim, right? Victim Olympics. We saw it doesn't. So the victim Olympics worked for one driver specifically. We won't name his name. You know who it is. I like the guy. I'm always rooting for the guy. Cruz doesn't like the guy so much. I like the guy. I hate that he played the victim card. I wish that he could have just, well, I wish he would have gotten better breaks moving up. I feel like he's got talent, not a lot of talent, but it just was a guy I was always pulling for and his career just never really happened. And then he plays the, the, I don't know if he played it, but he definitely leaned into it and he leaned into the victim card and everything is great for him. And I'm, I'm disappointed in that, but I still like the driver. I still believe in the driver. I'm encouraged by the driver. Just wish that that episode in American history didn't happen for the most part, but it did. And so we have to live with it. Uh, but other drivers that have played the victim card didn't really work out well for them. Uh, I don't think it's going to work out well for Daniel Henry. One win in something like 250 starts. Yikes. Um, uh, Ty Dillon, remember the I quit today? Yeah, it hasn't really worked out for him. But I believe he's going to race full-time in the Xfinity Series next season, which is something that I'm always vocal about. Take a step down. I believe he's going to. Isn't that right? I know he lost his ride in – I don't know if he is full-time next year. We know he lost his Cup Series right again. Um, but I'm all a big proponent of step down. Worked great for John Hunter Nemechek. Yeah, all right, where else are we at? So as we keep to go through, Herbst has been really strong of late, but he just needs he's not going to lead laps, he's not going to run fast laps. Can he top 10? Yes, he can. We just need the price to work out. Uh, we'll talk about Michigan laps in a second. Sheldon Creed has been much better than his results indicate, and I write about this in my DK Nation article. You look at his results, it's not good. But that's, look, if you follow DFS NASCAR or if you're a Truck Series fan, before Sheldon Creed really hit, you got used to this, man. You could see in his early days at GMS, he's got speed. He's aggressive. Like, I didn't follow him in stadium super trucks. I'm someone's, uh, I know someone out there's watching, like, I've been a Creed fan since stadium super trucks. Come on, man. You're, you missed it. I did miss it. I didn't, I don't know, I don't follow, I, I the same super trucks with Franco. On my list of things to do, I would like to go to the stadium super trucks. I would like to go back to the rodeo. I think the rodeo is awesome. I want to go back to that. I would like to go to the Tulsa shootout and the Chili Bowl, although I'll probably just watch it on Flow Racing. That's fine. But I want to go. Um, I want to go back to Eldora again in, in a couple of weeks. But, yeah, stadium super trucks is on the list. I also want to go to Atomic Speedway down in my old Ballywick of Knock'em Stiff, Ohio, in southern Ohio, south of Chillicothe. Chilocote. Got to get out and do that. I was supposed to go to the zoo today. That's one of the reasons why I'm able to do a lot of these podcasts. We were supposed to go to the zoo, but there's a heat index. There's a heat warning. It's going to be 95 degrees. That's child abuse. Can't take a kid to the zoo in 95 degree temperature. Oh, man. Come on. Tough it out. Well, it's also adult and elder abuse. I'm not going to go and walk around the zoo for three hours to see a giraffe in 95 degree heat, the sun beating down on the concrete. The only way that I would do that is it would require several of the adult beverages. And I know that I would have to deal with the heat and then I have to deal with the scorn of doing that on a Wednesday afternoon. My wife thinking, 
you're really drinking at Wednesday at 11 a.m. It's 95 degrees out. You're really going to drink a beer with your son uh, in front of the gorillas. Yeah, I am. Because it's hot. It's too damn hot. Give me another one of those local craft brews from the Columbus Zoo. So that would have happened. And we would have probably gotten the car to drive home and I have to work tonight. And I've been like, that was the worst decision ever. Oh, I would feel awful. So here I am now recording a podcast. We'll go back to the zoo. Zoo's fun. The kid loves the zoo. Loves animals. Me, just animals. I don't know. Do adults like the zoo? Do they? Do you like the zoo? What do you like about the zoo? This is a kid thing, right? It's got to be a kid thing. Adults, what kind of adult likes going to the zoo? You're just looking at an animal. Cool, cool. There's an animal in front of you, and it's in a cage, and it's just like living in a fake simulated environment. Does that make you happy? Like you pounded on the glass. Like, look, it reacted. I pounded on the glass, and it noticed me. Okay, yeah, the animal noticed you. Cool. Did they give you a thumbs up? Yeah? All right, great. Anyway, say Smith, not say Smith, Sheldon Creed, been really good lately. So if you know Sheldon Creed, you saw the signs that he had speed early on. He just was wrecking too much. And then season two, three, he became much more consistent. So you get three seasons, okay, three seasons. Well, A, it's his rookie season in the Xfinity series. Some new tracks, new car, new team. He's basically doing the same thing that he did his rookie season in the truck series. Like, hey, man, this guy's got speed. Oh, and then he wrecked again. Hey, man, Creed's looking good. Oh, he's in the wall. Hey, yeah, Creed looks like he's putting it all together. Okay, he's wrecking everyone on the track once again. There is Creed doing Creed. So he's kind of done that. But he's getting better. He's figuring things out. He's becoming less volatile. And he's having less bad luck as well. So, again, the result's not there. But if you look at real rating, 89 at New Hampshire, 95 at Pocono. And even at these road courses, he's putting together decent races. He is going to sneak up on you. Let me say that again. Sheldon Creed is going to sneak up on you. He's down here. I'm saying, oh, these guys are going to lead laps. Creed's going to pop in there one of these weeks. The RCR cars are not that far behind JRM. They're not that far behind JGR. Give them a chance. Sammy Smith, uh, he was a top 15 car before he wrecked at Pocono. You need to be better than a top 15 car. And Pogno's challenging. He doesn't have a lot of experience. It is the 18 car. He will get ARCA reps. I haven't verified that yet. I need to double check to make sure that he is in the ARCA race at Michigan. I would likely think that he is. Look good in that IRP ARCA race if you watch that. Uh, but And look, he might be a good racer someday. He, but to imagine that in his second race ever, he's going to be explosive at Michigan. Probably not the case. And I think the better... Trevor Bain's not that great. Ryan Truex isn't that great. But for my money, it does seem like the 18 car isn't completely exceptional. But again, when the 18 car has been exceptional in the Xfinity series, it also had an exceptional driver. You know, we give a lot of credit to this car, but there's new crew chief now. Uh, In the past, when, like last year, it was pretty solid, but that was under Chris Gale, and Gale is with Gibbs full-time. Ratcliffe, it's very good. Was great for Bell. Was great for Kenseth in the Cup Series. It's been okay. He's still a top tier crew chief, but it's just a lot has changed with that 18 car over the years. And the biggest 
Absolute change. Even if the car is still really fast, even if Ratcliffe is just as good as Gale, I would say he's better than Ben Bayshore. Um, I can't remember who was the crew chief before that. But even if the crew chief's still fine, what absolutely is different when we compare to previous seasons in the 18 car is Kyle Busch driving versus Sammy Smith. Okay, there's a bit of a difference there. When the 18 car was rolling over fools for the last six, seven years, it had all three boxes checked. Crew chief, car, and driver. Now, even if they've got crew chief and car checked, the last couple seasons, that driver, I mean, last year, yeah, last year they had driver checked on most weekends. But before Gibbs got all those races, you go back to 2020 and maybe 2019, where you had like Herbst and Eckes, and it was clearly, uh, who's the other guy? Kyle, I mean, you know, it was all a bunch of pay-to-play kids that were, look, they were good, decent ARCA racers up and coming through K&N series. They were making a name for themselves, but they were being thrust up way too quickly. They were clearly the, the, the weakest link in that triumvirate. And it's the same thing with St. Smith, to expect him to all of a sudden just, he'll need a really low price tag, and they really have just not been pricing down these inferior 18 drivers. Castle's been good, but uh, he might as well just be Justin Haley light from last year. Ryan Sieg, it seems like the thing's falling apart for him. Jeb Burton, serviceable. Uh, and these guys are just bleh. What can you say about those guys? They're all bleh. All right, let's look at some Michigan laps here as we wrap this thing up. Again, remember, patreon.com slash DFS. That's patreon.com slash DFS if you want to look at this fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet. Follow him on Twitter. Watch his videos. He'll have Xfinity Series videos. He'll have Cup Series videos. He'll have Xfinity Series live streams. He'll have Cup Series live streams. He's doing all the video work. I'm doing less video work, obviously. I might do a little bit more now that I'm here, but more often than not, I would rather just be in here on the spreadsheet, working on the data, reading the articles, watching the practices, and doing the work, and then I'm letting him do it. You know, we don't both need to do videos. We don't both need to do the same thing. We need to divide and conquer, and so that's how we can provide the best information working together. Um, and no one else is doing that. A lot of people are just trying to do a lot, lot of fantasy NASCAR providers. They're doing it by themselves. And as someone who's done it by himself before, it's too much. Things get missed. Things get overlooked. You just can't do it all on your own. Like a lot of the people try. And you can. You can do it all on your own. I did, did it all on my own for years. But doing it all on your own, you can't you know, maximize your potential. It's like any business, right? You got to hire employees. You got to delegate power. You got to find other people to do different tasks. Find what someone has a comparative advantage at. And that's what we are trying to do. Whereas you look at other sites, this one guy is doing all of his videos. He's doing all of his articles. He's doing all of his spreadsheets. And you see that all the different websites, right? That's what I did. I did the spreadsheet. I did the articles. I did the notes. I did the videos. I did the podcast. I did it all myself. And look, there's only so many hours in the day. And you have to make sacrifices. If I do a video for an hour, then that means an hour I can't do on research. I mean, that's just the facts. So when you see someone record an hour, then that's an hour where they weren't watching races. That's an hour where they weren't reviewing the data. That's an hour where they weren't coming with new formulas for their spreadsheet. Just the way that it is. So by adding more people to our team or my team or his team, we can divide and conquer. It seems like the better way to provide information for you. And if you want that useful information that we're providing, that useful data that uh, we are streamlining and systematically designing, go to patreon.com slash DFS. 
Michigan last year, Brandon Brown, 90, what in the world? Okay, it's on his top 10 laps. That's still pretty freaking strong, isn't it? All right. Oh, it's because I, wait, that. Great. Well, let's see and figure out what's going on with the calculations on here. Justin Allgaier. 172. A little bit behind the wheat. Let's see, can I pause the video? I can, but I don't remember how to at the moment. Let's just see. Bear with me. So hopefully, like, oh, why won't buy the spreadsheet? He's messing stuff up. FP1, 172. Uh, what did I do? That can't be right. That can't be right, right? Just GJ Yaley, 77% of laps in top five. Did I mess something up? I bet what I did was... That can't be right. Got to be sorted wrong. There's just no way. All right, I got to figure out how to pause this thing. And we're back. I fixed it. See, that's why you have to divide your time, not spend all your time doing videos, because there's so much to deal with in these spreadsheets that uh, it becomes very easy to lose track of the data. I just had forgot to paste the names. The data was correct. I just had these, forgot to put the names in, whatever. Anyway, you don't need to know that. So let's go back and look at some of these Michigan data points. King kids is a lot of work for one person to do. And all right, AJ Allmendinger, 86% inside the top five. Ty Gibbs, ooh, we ran at this race last track, last season. That's interesting, 77%. Allgaier, 61% of the left side of the top five. Barry, in, I think he's probably in the Michael Annette car. There's Jones, not really surprised. To see him up there. Uh, Burton, that's a colleague car. So that's good for colleague. Gregson, a little bit disappointing. But you can see clearly here, only 30% of the top five, but he did run 95% inside the top 10. So he was right there on the edge for most of his laps. Whereas you say, oh, well, Burton actually ran more. Yeah, but Burton also, for a longer period, was not really close. Whereas Gregson, you're obviously going to be able to tell that he has a much better average running position i think if we pull that up well we can just go to the shrink this down too big on the screen if we look at the michigan race from last season we'll see that gregson is gonna have a better average running position of where is it at seventh whereas burton is going to be what probably 12th if that jib 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 my name is jib Jibs, a 12th, I guessed right. How about that? Look at the brain on Brad. Uh, okay, so that gives us an idea of some of who was running well in terms of top five. Let's look at our hog points from last season, even though I'm not really, 
Again, a lot, of, a lot of this is just doing live, just thinking about. So you put yourself in position where I'm trying to identify who's going to run fast laps or run lead laps. Hog points, not dominators. Don't do that again, please. Don't go into that again. If you're trying to identify hog points, I mean, we have a general idea who's going to finish out the top 10. That's not really hard to say. I think this guy's a top five car, top 10 car. You can do that pretty much off the top of your head. It becomes a little bit more challenging, especially early in the week without some practice data, without some qualifying data to try to anticipate who's going to lead 10, 15 laps, 20 laps, who's going to score 15, 20 hog points. A little more challenging. But in that challenge right now, I'm going to ask you, what do you want to look at? Do you want to look at and say, all right, well, here's the guys around the top five at Michigan. Maybe I want to look at the hog points from Michigan. Um, from that race, so the last race. And you'll see Josh Berry up there. Started 17th, too, getting you some points. A.J. Allmendinger, 17.5, clearly aided by that starting position. Who was on the pole? Austin Sendrick. That's really impressive that uh, Allmendinger is able to take that lead away. I want to look at that real quick. That is impressive from him. And he won that race. Here I hang on. Hey, Joe, I don't have enough speed. I don't have enough speed. One at Michigan. This is a speed track. And he won at Michigan last season. And he won and most hog points, best average running position, best driver rating. Yeah, it's a pretty strong race car that he had. But maybe having practice is going to help JRM jump up. So we can just look and see. You know, when's the restart, which not easy to do. Unless Cinder got sent to the back. Yeah, that's a bad restart by Cinder right there. So this is kind of the thing that you can jump into to really help you piece together not only who's going to win and finish towards the top, but help you better predict fast laps and hog points in all three series. Xfinity Cup truck, F1 as well. Patreon.com plus Brandon Cruz DFS. Look at that. In control. Uh, so we get a little bit of pit road, loses the restart, looks like right there. Falls back in dirty air. Uh-oh, A.J. Allmendinger in dirty air. Alert, alert, red flag, red flag. Oh, who scores terribly? He always loves his car in clean air. Well, who doesn't? And then no one panics more. No one reacts worse than A.J. Allmendinger in dirty air. This car is terrible all of a sudden. Yeah, it, it's, it's aerodynamics, A.J. That's the way it works. We tell you this every week. And every day you flip out like it's just calm down. It's almost every week they'll cut to uh, Chris Rice or Matt Collar. Okay, calm down, guy. Don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up. You're still in this. You're still in this. Meanwhile, A.J. Allmendinger's putting bullets in the clip, loading it, and just... <laughs> every week, A.J. Allmendinger loses his mind. Full-on anxiety attack in the car, pumping the Adderall, getting kicked off of Penske. And, uh, all right, um, look at this. Asks for the lead in the run. Let me get rid of these blue lines. They bother me. They're not supposed to be there. Those are an artifact. Uh, who do we pass for the lead? Jeb. My name is Gabe. And Jeb. Well, it's like Colic had pretty good cars, but up here... Apparently, Jeb was playing a little tire game strategy right there and not pitting. So that doesn't really strike me as a dominant pass. Here we go. Takes the lead. That's an artifact as well. And Josh Berry. A little bit of pit cycling here. Yeah. Justin Allgaier. 
No, I think it's straight up pass because Nalgar takes the lead. And oh, yikes. AJ Almanier survives all this madness. Caution, 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 caution. Uh, but even though you have all these cautions, the best car wins. Jones had a very strong running position. Strong running position. Strong, strong. Really good. Uh, the only guy, Gibbs, obviously, is the unlucky participant. And anyone else? Get kind of Daniel Hamrick. Not surprised there. Austin Sendrick got took out, taken out. Well, both those guys went down earlier. So it goes. Look at all this data you can look at. It's great. You can also get the specific notes too if you want to see like what happened on those late race cautions. It's all in here in the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet brought to you by Brandon Cruz and Race for the Bronze. Uh, all right, going back. So you can look at Michigan data specifically if you're trying to find out who's going to be my hog. Or, and this might be the better way to look at it. It's up to you to decide. Who's getting the hog points lately? Who's getting the hog points this season? So you went away last year, Michigan? Or you say, well, who's leading laps now? Who's running fast laps now? And if that's like been your modus operandi, which has been mine, then you've been doing pretty well. If you went into Darlington saying, well, I'll got to look good. If you went into Texas saying, well, he's been good in the last two. If you went into Charlotte, like, hey, he's been good in the last two. It's spelled, I can't. It's too much work for one person to do. That's why you have to separate and conquer. You can provide better content and analysis and information by divvying up the talent. And it's one of those things, like I haven't got around to, I spelled it wrong, but one sheet and that sheet connects to other sheets. And so it's wrong. I got to fix the root sheet. It's a lot to do. And you know it is. You know it's a lot to do because if you, if it weren't, if it were easy to be build these massive evolving spreadsheets that weren't just a spread, static spreadsheet, the same thing every week, which you can create that then you would do it. But, and I know some of you are like, oh, I can do that. And then he's like, holy God. Like I, you do it one week and then you're like, all right, well, now you got to update all the stuff from last week and you got to create the new stuff. And then, oh, besides updating all the old stuff, creating the new stuff, how are you going to adjust and adapt the new stuff to what you have learned? What kind of new directions are you going to go in? What kind of ways are you going to experiment and challenge? So I got to clean up everything from last week. I got to take and add for new this week. Now I got to make adjustments. And then every week you're building, you're building, you're building. Truck series, cup series, Xfinity series, and F1. And then are you doing other fantasy sports as well? So after you've built all the spreadsheets, what time do you have to actually go through the data? How much time do you get to synthesize and analyze the data? It's a lot. That's why you go to patreon.com slash DFS and you Give us a little bit of money and we do the work for you. We do it for you. We allow you to just enjoy, have fun, watch racing, look at the data. You don't need to punch into formulas. I'll do it for you. You don't need to do the calculations. I'll do it for you. You don't need to go through and figure out why does it say CAH when it should say CHA and dig through and find the root sheet. You don't have to go and say, hey, why is JJ Yearly showing up with all these laps? Oh, that's right, because I forgot to make this paste. I pasted that, but I didn't paste that. And then you say, wait a second, do I need to make that fix on the original sheet? No, the original sheet's fine. I double checked that while I was doing it. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Fact, 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 fact. It doesn't have to be this way. You can just go to patreon.com slash DFS, and then you will see that, yeah, uh, look, 
It looks like that if I'm trying to predict fast laps in lap sled, it looks like if I am trying to anticipate, if I'm looking for the leading indicator for hog points in the Michigan Xfinity race, it looks like the guy that's been going fast at ovals has been going fast at ovals. Now, you can go back to last season where Justin Allgaier wasn't very good and say, well, Justin Allgaier wasn't very good at Michigan last year, so he's not going to be very good this year. Or you can say that, boy, it looks like he's running a lot of fast laps at these ovals week after week after week that hmm, maybe just maybe he's going to turn a couple of final slams this weekend now maybe he won't win but who cares wins are overrated say it with me fantasy nascar folks wins are overrated you don't have to get the win to be in the optimal lineup there are six drivers in the optimal lineup i don't know if you're aware of this but there are six drivers in the optimal lineup and only one of those drivers can win and that driver and there's no rule. It's not set in stone. It's not etched on a commandment. The 11th commandment didn't say that to have an optimal lineup, there must be at least one winning driver. That's not the case. That is not the case. The six drivers that are in the optimal lineup don't have to win. The winning driver does not have to be in the optimal lineup. Wins are thus overrated. Just that simple premise. There is no rule that says the winning driver must be in the optimal lineup. Therefore, wins aren't that important. What is important are these hog points. 32 points on top of a finishing position, on top of a place differential. That's what you got to nail. You know that. I know that. We all know that. So how do we predict that? You can look at Michigan. And I'm not saying dismiss. That's not my intention here. My intention is not to tell you to ignore last year's Michigan results. You should look at last year's Michigan results. But if I'm weighing them, what is more important? What is more significant? What is the leading indicator? It's going to be current form at these ovals, and it is just an honor. Gibbs is okay here at New Hampshire. Don't know if I necessarily think New Hampshire is going to play in that well, but he's still fine. These are what I like to see. There you go. Thanks for joining me. Hope it didn't annoy you too much. Patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. Cruz will have videos for you. Check them out. I will do videos when I can and when it makes sense. I'm not going to force videos. You'll know, peek behind the curtain a little bit, the beginning of the season, I always overload. And I'm frank and honest and transparent about this. I always am. I don't know if there's anyone more transparent and honest around. Often to my own detriment saying things I shouldn't say. But at the beginning of the season, I record a lot of videos. I record a lot of podcasts. And in doing so, I sacrifice data and analysis time. I sacrifice spreadsheet time. It's not cool, but there are trade-offs. It's part of the constrained vision. You can only do so much. There are no solutions. There are only trade-offs. There are consequences. If I spend more time on video, if I spend more time on entertainment and all doing these things and jumping around and going on rants about dominator points, if I do that, if I swear allegiance to the YouTube algo and pray to the YouTube algo code, I am turning my back on a lot of the hard work that I need to do. I tell you that, very frank about that. And the reason that I do it is because at the beginning of the season, 
I have to let people know that I'm creating a spreadsheet and I would like for you to support it at wherever I've been. Now it's patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. I gotta run the infomercial. You know that if you've been listening to the podcast for all these years, if you've been since 2019, really not the 2018 wasn't so much a infomercial. When I did the podcast for Fanvice, that was more of a me phoning it in because they were paying me and like, well, if they're paying you, you should have uh, worked harder. Well, no, not really. It's not like, Hey, if you get more listeners, you get more money. It's like, here, we're going to pay you. Here's the contract. So then it's like, all right, well, I'm locked in and no one cares how good or bad this podcast is. All right, cool. I am going to read trends for 30 minutes. And I did that every week. Some people like that. That was the worst podcast ever, but that's why I do it. And I would, you can look at the scripts from those previous podcasts. Here are the trends. Top tens. This guy started in this position. Here are the trends. Here are the basic track facts. Here is this guy has X amount of top fives. This guy's X amount of top tens. Still see some people doing that in podcast videos. I still see some of these short form videos where it's just reading numbers off of a spreadsheet. Uh, and that's what I did because I was getting paid to do it and there was no consequences, right? They were never going to say, dude, your podcast sucks. You're just reading numbers. Well, your checks are still clearing. So I'm going to just keep doing this. Well, then when I started doing my own podcast, 2019, where it's like, all right, this thing has to, you know, I'm not getting paid anymore to do it. So I'm not going to do it for fun. There's got to be a purpose. There's got to be a goal. Uh, so the goal is going to be, I need to create something that's going to lure people in. And so that's what I've tried to adapt with this podcast in different ways. And that's why I do a bunch of videos at the beginning of the season to pull people in. And then as we get through the rush and I realize, okay, the there's a I can been doing this long enough. I know how the system works, right? Where there's a, there is a like diminishing returns. Like I can keep pumping out hour after hour after hour. you reach a point where you're not really going to pull in any more people, and so you're really wasting time. There's diminishing returns. I can pump in five hours of video, but you know when I was doing five hours of video in February, I was getting a ton of subscribers and tons of people signing up. Five hours of video in May and June. You're getting a couple subscribers. You're getting a couple people to the Patreon. And so now you're like, wait a second. Maybe I should spend less time on these videos, more time on the spreadsheet. Been doing this long enough that I've got a system worked out. So I will start doing some videos, but I'm not going to do many. That's why I let Cruz can do the videos to help try to pull people in more. And I'll stay more on the spreadsheet. That's how it works. But I'll try to do a little more. It's just a balancing act of when's the right time to do a video, how often to do videos. Um, that's how it works right behind the curtain so yeah the reason why i do a bunch of videos at the end of the season is to pull people in i do say that every year this is an infomercial that's all this is guess what this is sure i hope it helps you it's got to help you a little bit but it's also like hey look at that spreadsheet boy that would be nice to have it think about buying that spreadsheet maybe if i, if I show you the spreadsheet a couple times like yeah let me check out that spreadsheet all right thanks for joining me a little peek behind the curtain there See you guys. Uh, rock and roll mountain troll. That's what we're saying right now. <laughs>